Amen. What a glorious day that was and a glorious day it will be. Amen. When he does come back for us again. I don't know if any of you ever watch um, America's Funniest Videos on TV. Some of you might have little YouTube or you watch things on your uh, iPhone or some form of social media. And you have seen where people will walk in front of a car and somebody blows the horn and it scares them. If you hadn't seen it, you need to try it. Just make sure who you do it to so they don't come after you. I love doing that, waving a walk in front of the truck, and I'll blow that horn, and he'll just scream, and it scares him. We were down at Claire Springs. I did it. He walked in front. I blew the horn, and he jumped, and he got something out of the door, and he started to go back, and he paused, and he went around the back of the truck. He got in and said, hey, you didn't get me that time. I said, no, but you thought about it, didn't you? You know, it's, we get scared at times and we need peace in our life. I know there was time when my dad took me out hunting and he put me out of this little place and he said he'll be back in a little bit and he was going to go off somewhere else hunt. And let me tell you, if you've ever been in the woods as a child by yourself and the sun begins to go down and it begins to become darker in the woods... And all of a sudden, the birds begin to yell and the squirrels chatter and the woodpeckers knock on the tree. It sounds like the Indians are coming as the the wrestle. And it began to cause a little fear in my life, a little anxiety. But you know, it was something sweet when I heard some footsteps. They come and I looked and I saw my dad's face. The peace that washed over me made all the difference in the world just at the sight of my dad. I know all of us come in here today. Many of you testified earlier by lifting hands that we need peace. This world is in such a turmoil that it's like, is there any peace out there? Well, I'm here today to tell you that yes, there is peace. There's peace in the middle of the storms. There's peace in the middle of the difficulty. There's peace in the middle of what decision do I make, A or B. There's peace that allows us to wake up and face this world. Because let me tell you what. The world we live in today is a world that God created. And God is sovereign and God is in control over And scripture tells us that he will hold us, his followers, close. And he provides us that peace. And as we move our way from the resurrection to Pentecost, these first few days after Jesus was crucified and come out of the grave, the people who needed peace then more than any other time were his followers. I want you to remember that just a minute. His followers, Jesus' people needed peace because they were in persecution. They were scared for their life. The one that they had followed is now gone and his body's missing and they're blaming them for it. You know, in the life of a believer, we will go through storms. And I know you've heard me say this before. You're in one of three places in life right now. You are either in a storm right now, which I believe probably fits the category of most of us in this room. You have just come out of a storm. 
or you're headed into a storm because they're inevitable in our life. And I want us to look at the only hope and the only source of peace that we have, and that's in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone, in his resurrection. And today, that's what I want us to look at because I believe that Scripture reveals to us who God is. You know, that's what this love letter is that we each are so blessed to have a copy of. God wants us to understand who he is from Genesis 1-1 to the very end of the book of Revelation is all telling us how much God loves us. But more than that is a place that we can go and get to know who he is. I'm excited we're going to be starting back up next month our Sunday night services where we're talking about the names of God. You want to know who God is. You need to come and hear these because God reveals himself through names that he chose to be called in the Bible. We have an exciting time going through those. But today I want us, if you would, turn to the gospel according to John chapter 20 and verse 26. John 20 and verse 26, as we're on this journey to Pentecost, I want us to see how Jesus provides peace. Because how Jesus provided peace to his followers is the same way today that Jesus will provide peace to his followers, which are those of us who are believers. If you would please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. John chapter 20, verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Bring your finger here and see my hands. And bring your hand here and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also did in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Father God, thank you today for your word. Father, I do pray, Lord, right now that you just allow me in my flesh to step aside. Father, I'm standing here only today because you've called me, and Father, you've sent me. And Lord, what needs to be said today is not what I have to say, but what you have to say. And I pray that Holy Spirit would anoint me with a feeling right now, Lord, to speak the words that you want those here to hear. And Father, may we learn about who you are. Father, may we praise you. And may we see that there is peace even in troubled times. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Jesus is the one who provides our peace. As we're going to look, you're going to see all about this peace that Jesus provides and how he does it. And I'm so glad that he does because I know 
that I am in need of a peace that only he can provide. And I'm excited today that I can stand here and I can proclaim to you about a risen Lord and Savior who can provide the peace that will only be the peace that you need and the only peace that can fill whatever is the storm in your life. We see all through scripture that there were storms and that Jesus appeared many times. We're going to look at a few of those. But knowing that there is hope and that there is peace. The first thing I want us to look at today is that Jesus speaks peace. That's the first thing. Jesus speaks peace. All Jesus has to do is say peace and there's peace. Jesus, as we're fixing to look at, let's just go ahead and look back there at that verse 26. And it said, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. I believe there are three different areas of peace that's needed in that one verse. First, the followers of God have fear in their life because of what's going on. We see here, very important, that it says, and after eight days. This is eight days after Jesus resurrected. Well, Jesus resurrected on what day of the week? What do we celebrate that on? Sunday. So if we go eight days later, that would be one week later. What day is this? Sunday. Jesus' followers gathered together on Sunday. It's the reason we moved our worship. At one time, they worshiped on Saturday, the last day of the week, the Sabbath, the day of rest. When Jesus rose, it became known as the Lord's Day. It's the first day of the week. What better way to give him our time? Just like we believe about our tithes should be of the first. We give him of the first week. He resurrected on the first day. It's the Lord's Day. We still today worship on the Lord's Day. We worship on Sunday. We gather together. It says that they were gathered together. Tom Thomas was with them. You remember, Thomas had not been with them on the first day when Jesus appeared. But it says here, it says, come to the doors that have been shut. The doors had been locked. They, disciples, the followers were in fear. There's fear number one. Fear number two, and we talk about this every time. If I'm in a room and someone appears there and the door is locked, the door did not open and they are now there and they were not, I would have fear. Amen? How about you? I think we're all in the same boat. But thirdly, Thomas. Thomas has heard all the news, but Thomas is fearful. He's heard that Jesus was resurrected. He hadn't seen it. So there's three fears and Jesus just speaks the word. Peace be with you. How is Jesus able to just say, peace be with you and peace wash over them? I'll tell you how this morning. Because Jesus is peace. That's who he is. Yes, he's God, but he, he's peace. Let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, you got Psalms and Proverbs and a couple of books there. You have Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. 
This is many, many years before Jesus was born, but Isaiah was prophesying, he was foretelling, he was declaring that there was one coming because the people of God, the chosen nation of Israel, they were in turmoil. They were in battle, they were constantly being sought after, they were being taken off into captivity because of their own stupid ways. They were in need of peace. They were in need of someone to step in. God had foretold them that there would be someone on the throne forever. But listen to what Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah 9 and verse 6. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and here it is, Prince of Peace. Jesus can say the word, Jesus can speak the word peace, and peace just wash over people because he has that authority. He is peace. There is nothing greater than God. Jesus is God the Son. He was the incarnation of God. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we see them all active through here. And there's nothing, no storm, no fear, not even the devil, Satan, his little minions, his demons, no dark forces. There's nothing that is greater than our God. But let me tell you something else. Jesus is so great that when he enters the room and he says, peace, all fear runs. You ever seen a scalded dog with his tail between his legs? I don't think the dog can run as fast as even Satan runs at the mouth of Jesus when he says, peace. So there are times in our life when Jesus speaks peace into our lives you see we see this other times it's not just one time Jesus said peace over in Mark 4 verse 39 Jesus calmed the storm he said in Mark 4 39 and he rose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm There they are, these professional fishermen. They're out on the water. You know the story. The big storm come up. The boat's a-bouncing. Jesus is in the back with his head on a, probably a folded up piece of cloth. They didn't have them nice little pillows like we got now. He couldn't pick up the phone and call my pillow and order a pillow in. But he was sleeping as if nothing was a matter. You see, how often are we in storms? And oh, how horrible it is. Yes, because we're in it. Great is that storm. It's bouncing up and down. Those waves are pouring over them little men. I'm sure they had their minnow cup. And they were just dipping that water as fast as they could. But you know, the water's coming in quicker. The storm is all around them. It produces what? Fear. Same thing we deal with today. It might not be the raining storm out there, but if you're in a storm, there is fear because your life is in turmoil. You're bouncing up and down, and it seems the whole world has come crashing in on you. And they go back there, not realizing, I guess, that they got the Lord himself in the boat. Ain't nothing going to happen. 
Guess what? As believers, we have the Lord in the boat with us. Amen? And they go back there and you can hear them just friendly. Wake up! Come on, man! The storm's coming! What does Jesus do? He stands up. He's got authority. I can just see him now on the boat. Imagine, I mean, just waves coming over. You've seen some of those cruise ships just rocking. He stands up. Peace! And instantly it's as calm as glass. That's the power that our Savior has because he is peace. He can speak the peace. You know, another time we see that happen. You remember Jesus put his disciples in the boat. He said, y'all go on and go over to the other side. He said, I'm going to stay here for a minute. I'll meet you over there. This is told over in the Gospel of Matthew. They go out there and they're rowing along. They're about halfway out across and here comes another storm. You know, I've been there. I know y'all know that. There on the Sea of Galilee, there's some mountains over, depending upon which way you're facing on one side, and there's a, a valley in that mountain. And it's notorious to just at the split second, wind will come funneling down through there, and it just causes the most torrential storm. Probably just like the one where Jesus was when he told it to be still. So they're out there, the middle of the night, picture like the other night when that lightning's flashing, it's storm, you can't see, they didn't have lights on the boat, they're trying to row, it's dark, all they can hear is the howling, of the wind and the crashing of the thunder. And every now and then it lightens, and it lightens up, and something caught their eye. They look, they're waiting again, kind of like if you've ever been out lightning trying to see the tornado. There's a figure. And in the middle of this storm, they see something walking on the water right toward them. Fear. Here's two kinds of fear. Number one, fear we're going to drown again. Number two, there's something on the water and it's walking toward us. What did Jesus say? Don't be afraid. It's I, Peter. If it's you, Lord, let me come. In the middle of the storm, Jesus said, come. Peter steps out of the boat. What does Peter do? Y'all know this. Help me out. What does he do? He walks on the water. He walks not on the water. He's walking in the storm, over the storm. He's walking out on the water toward Jesus in the storm. But Peter becomes like the rest of us. And he looked. And the waves were great, and he began to sink. He cries out, save me! And Jesus reaches out, he takes his hand, Peter comes back up, they get in the boat. And it tells us when he got in the boat, then they were on the other side. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. And when we keep our eyes on Jesus, we can have peace in the storm. It is so easy. I'll be the first one to testify. It is so easy in the storm to look right here, to look all around here instead of looking here and looking there. Why not look there? Because all he has to do is say peace. I wonder in my life, maybe yours, 
How long have I walked in the storm longer than I was supposed to because I wouldn't look to the Father? You see, Jesus provides peace. Jesus speaks peace. Secondly, this morning, let's look at Jesus brings us peace. Amen? Jesus brings us peace. Let's look back here at John chapter 20, if you were still over in Isaiah like I was. John chapter 20, verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, bring your finger here and see my hands. And bring your hand here and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. What do we learn right here about this Jesus that brings us peace? But he is what we would call omniscient. Don't you just love those church words that nobody else knows? Omniscient. Let me break it down for you. He's all-knowing. Jesus knows everything. Jesus knew exactly the fear that Thomas had. Jesus has appeared in this room more than once. He has appeared to them on that first resurrection day and he disappeared and they told Thomas about it. Now I want you to listen. Let's look just real quick. This is very important. Look at 27. What does it say? He says, bring your finger here and see my hands. Bring your hands here and put into my side. Does that sound a little crazy to you? But let me tell you what. Thomas was in the room with the rest of the disciples sometime between the first Sunday and the second Sunday. And guess who was not there? Jesus was not in the room. But I want you to go up to verse 25 and listen to what Thomas said after we heard what Jesus just told him to do. Look at verse 25. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, listen very closely, unless I see in his hands the imprints of the nails and put my finger in the place of the nails... And put my hand into his side, I will not believe. What did Jesus tell Thomas to do? Bring your finger here. See my hands. Exactly what Thomas said he needed. He took his hand and put it in my side. That's what Thomas said. You see, our great Lord meets us where we are. I think we talked about that last week. He knew there was a fear. Thomas didn't believe. He said, I can't believe. He's probably one of the most truthful ones for a moment here. I haven't seen him. I need to see. I want the proof. The nail scarred hands and the hole in his side. I want to touch it. I want to put my finger there. I want to put my hand up in his side. Jesus knew his walk. He knew that he would not believe unless he saw. So Jesus brought Thomas to the peace. He needed the peace that Jesus really was alive. You know what God did for Thomas here? He used his senses. What did he tell him? Come and see. He used his eyes. See. There's one. He said, touch. Put your finger in. Put your hand in. He's using the sides, our senses. You know, your mind can play tricks. 
Maybe you see it, maybe you don't. Is he really there? Did I just want it too bad? Did I drink a cup of something I shouldn't have? Am I hallucinating? No, Thomas. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to bring you to me. You come and you see and you touch. It's just like us. Are there times that God has to bring us in our storm to the peace? You know, Thomas can go back just like we can go back. We're not physically able to touch the incarnate Christ today. But each of us have touched someone who has been touched by him. We have seen him work in our life. Amen. We have seen the peace. We've needed the peace. So when the storms come back up, because you're going to go through them again, where senses have been used, we can go back to him. And look there at verse 28. Thomas declares, Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. What is this testimony What is this declaration that Thomas is making? We need to understand that in who this peace is. He says, my Lord. He's calling on him not as one who has saved him from hell, but as one who is in a position of authority. He's calling him Lord. He is his master. I will follow you. What's that song? I think they sung in Sister Act. I will follow you wherever you may go. You see, that's what Thomas is saying. I've seen. The peace is here. You have calmed my soul. And you are now Lord. You are my master and God. This God is very important. Because what has Jesus been doing his entire ministry. But teaching them that he was the son of God. You know, many in that day believed he was a good teacher. When Thomas declared him God. Thomas was affirming what Jesus had been teaching. That he is more than a teacher and a master. But he's God. He acknowledged you are God. You see Jesus brings us to peace. Through our belief. This world is so full. Church hear me. So full of people hurting. And in need of peace. And it's right there. And they won't receive it. Because peace is assured and promised to those who follow Jesus. Because we have no peace apart from a relationship with God who is peace. Because if you don't have a relationship with peace, you can't know peace. So peace is in Jesus Christ, none other. And thirdly, as I said a while ago, Jesus is peace. You see, Jesus speaks peace. Jesus brings us to peace because Jesus is peace. Let's look there at the last two verses, 30 and 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also did in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. It says here that there were many signs. What were these signs? But they were miracles. They were attesting. 
miracles. Miracles showing and proving that he was Jesus. It might could even be looked at this way, an event that is an indication or confirmation of intervention by transcendent powers. A miracle is something that happens when Jesus steps outside the realm of natural science. The sun moves and the stars move. If they ever stop, which they have one time, that's a miracle. Jesus walking on water. He defied the laws of science. You cannot walk on water. Some of us, myself included, will sink quicker than others if you step on the water. But when Jesus is there, he defies that. That's what a miracle is. That's where these signs were. I mean, here he is, I believe. One of the signs he did right there for him, he appeared in a room. You can't just do that. You know, they show it on TV. What was that? Willy Wonka where the little kid turned in little particles and he floated over to the other side. You know, we see beam me up, Scotty, all that stuff. But a true just appearance of someone that was not there is a miracle. He went through a wall. He went through a locked door. That's the God that we serve. He is peace. And he can go through any obstacle. That's why I love this. He went through a locked door to bring them peace. Guess what? Whatever storm you're in, he can get through that storm to get to you to provide you with peace. Why did he do that? They said there were many more. They couldn't even record them in the book. It says, but these are written so that you may believe. The gospel of John was written that people may believe in who Jesus Christ is. What do they mean by believe? But to know without a shadow of a doubt what you believe in. One of the commentaries puts it this way. To consider something to be true and therefore worthy on one's trust. I could do all I could in here to try to convince you of something. You could do everything you could back then to try to convince Thomas in your storm of this lack of Jesus that he's alive. Well, he needed to believe it. And the only way he would believe it was by seeing it. So Jesus performed miracles so that he would know for sure that he could put his trust in him. That he could be convinced of something. Well, that's just all fine and dandy. Has any of you seen the physical appearance of Jesus Christ in this room? How are we to believe? It tells us in here that those who have not seen and yet believe. How are we to believe if you believe through seeing? I have seen him work in my life. You have seen him work in others' lives. That's how we believe. God does miracles. He's still a miracle working God today. And he does it so that people may know for sure. I mean, I have seen lives transformed because of the work of Jesus. That's all I need to see. Because let me tell you, I've seen some there was no hope for. And to see them now, some of our great preachers of years past had no hope. They were write-offs, but when the Lord got a hold of them, they had peace. I was eating lunch with a friend the other day, and this other guy come in. He had his hat on, and he'd walk around. He'd take a, he was fighting some demons on the inside, let me tell you. 
The main demon he had probably fought was years ago when he was on something that fried his brain. But I truly believe that he's fighting with some demons, whoever this other guy was, because he's carrying on a conversation with someone that's not there. He needs peace. And I have seen people like him receive peace and their lives be transformed. That's a testimony enough for me. But what does it tell us here? What does he want to happen out of this? He says, these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Israel has been waiting for one that would come and deliver them from the oppression that they were under. Now, they were thinking of it a little different way. But this Christ, that you believe Jesus is the Christ, that you believe Jesus is the Messiah, He is the fulfiller of the Israelite expectations of a deliverer. He is the anointed one. You have had all of these prophecies telling you this, this, and this is going to happen. And this is exactly what's happened. Jesus has brought them peace. He has come to be their anointed one. He has come to deliver them. And it says that they're the son of God. And that believing you may have life, a transcendent life here and after this. But we can have a life, a peace, a connection with God while we're still living here on earth. The peace that we get to look forward to as believers is not peace after we die. Amen? We can have peace today. Peace knowing that the God, the creator, the sovereign one loves you and you have a relationship with him. He promises you that you are in his hand and nothing, no storm, no trial can snatch you out of his hand. You can have life today. And peace, church, is life with Christ. Life in Christ is peace. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't say life in Christ is always happy. I'm not going to stand up here today and tell you that life in Christ is always a joy. Life in Christ is not always easy. But a life in Christ, there is peace. Because there's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's the one that comes. And he's the one that's with us. Amen. You see, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for peace. I'm here today to tell you, it is there. It's available. But first of all, if you do not have a personal relationship, nothing your mother's done, nothing anyone else has done, if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no peace in your life. You might can get through something, but I promise you, and you know deep down inside, there is no peace. Because there's no peace apart from peace. And the only peace is Jesus Christ. But also want to tell you as believers. This is who this was being written to. His followers were in the room. Church don't be too puffed up. Don't be too pig headed. To realize that even as believers sometimes we take our eyes off. Of the source of peace. Whatever you're going through today. There's peace. He's going to hold you. But you must look to him. 
Do you need to just go to him and say, I'm sorry this morning. I've taken the eyes off. I've looked around. I need to be focused on you. Bring me peace. Would you stand this morning right where you are? Just bow your heads. Holy Spirit. It's the third part of the Trinity. It is your job to speak. It's your job to call. It's your job to convict. Would you work unhindered this morning? Would you work in the lives of anyone who doesn't know you? Father, would you work in the lives of your believers that are here this very moment? I'm just going to ask you, if you're here this morning, Holy Spirit is speaking. I know he's moving. It's what he does. It's his nature. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it's nothing to be ashamed about because you have an opportunity right now to receive him. I'm going to pray that you'll just slip out where you are, that you will come and let me share with you the greatest news in all the world. Don't worry about what anyone else is thinking. Come and receive the peace. He meets you right where you are. You don't have to do anything special. He's going to do all the work and he's got the power. Just slip out where you are right now and let me share with you. Let me rejoicing all in the room. Are you here this morning and you just want me to pray with you? This is a time of response. It's a time of prayer. You might be excited about what the Lord's doing in your life. You want me to praise him with you? Maybe you're going through something and you just need an extra touch. You need some special prayer. Would you come? Maybe this morning you just say, you know, I'm, I'm going through something. I just want you to anoint me with oil. I've got some oil down here. I'll, we're just going to spend some time in prayer. Where are you? The important thing about this morning is that you respond and that you don't quench the moving of Holy Spirit. Church, this morning, I just says your heads are bad. I can't make anyone do anything. But I believe that there is someone here today, or more than someone, that something, I don't know what it is, is going on in your life. And you need peace. Don't be ashamed. Come out and let me pray with you. It's not a weakness. It's a sign of calling on the Father. Come and just let me lift you up. Let me be an intercessor for you this morning.
Father God, how grateful that we can be in your presence today. Father, thank you for that. Father, thank you that you have told us in your word that you are peace. That, Father, you have the power sometimes just to speak peace into our lives. Father, sometimes you use us to bring us to you. We have to physically step and move to that peace. But Father, when we come to your Son, who is peace, you are there for us. Thank you. Father, I just pray now, Lord, that you would bless each and every one here. And Father, you would take us home safely. Father, you would allow us a great time of fellowship with family when we have family around, Lord. That if we don't, Father, it's some that go home by themselves, that they'll have a time of fellowship with you over their meal. And Father, would you keep us safe? And would you bring us back again together as your family? Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. May God bless you. Look forward to seeing you.